Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to a brand new edition of the world famous Pewter Report podcast. No, I'm not John Ledger. I'm the older, better looking version. No, I'm not Scott Reynolds. I'm the more handsome, older version. Along with us today is the man known as Grizz, the guy who has a lady's first name, our good friend, Mr. Taylor Jenkins. What's up, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We are not John. We are not Scott. We are the most handsome, the most hairy, the most manscape eligible members of the Pewter Report team here for today's edition of the Pewter Report podcast. And that's always a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're definitely the looks of the operation. I don't think anybody would argue with that. Um, you know, John and Scott try, but it's not easy being this sexy. And as you mentioned, this hairy. So anyway, you know, I mentioned, um, you know, you have a a woman's first name. Look, the Buccaneers just added a guy who also has a weird first name. Raven. I don't know any man named Raven. Do you? Well, we do now. I don't know any woman. I know that's so Raven, the famous Disney Channel TV show. But that. But was, she was a girl, right? That was a girl. Yeah. That was a yeah. Girl. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, I've heard the name as, before, at least. If you have no idea what we're talking about, we we really don't either. But if you don't have any idea what we're talking about, the Buccaneers have added a couple new players today, signed a couple free agents. We've already got a question in the chat saying why. Well, we're going to go over that. Raven Green, formerly of the Green Bay Packers, and Joe Jones, he played with the Denver Broncos. Those are two guys that we will be discussing in length coming up shortly here on the Pewter Report podcast. We're also going to be breaking down and taking a look at the drafts of the NFC South the Buccaneers' rival opponents, of course, the Falcons, Panthers, and the Saints. Uh, Behind Enemy Lines is up now on pewterreport.com if you want to go check it out. We give our grades. Well, I say we. I do. I ask for a little bit of input from John since he's kind of the resident draft guru. And, uh, and he shared his thoughts on a couple things. Look, it's really dumb, Taylor, to give grades at this point. These guys haven't even put on a, haven't even put on a uniform, right? I mean – you know, if after the draft uh, a few years ago, people would have thought, hey, MJ Stewart, you know, he's a second round guy. He was drafted ahead of Carlton Davis. He's going to be the better cornerback. Wrong. Wrong. So, again, you just don't know. Jameis Winston, number one overall pick. He's going to be the best ever. Wrong. That's the way it goes. You just never know. And I'll be honest, I'll be the first to admit, Tristan Wirfs, while I thought he was going to be good, I don't think anybody expected him to play as well as he did last year. I don't know that Tristan Wirfs expected him to yeah. play as well as he did last year. So my point being, grades really mean nothing. They're just for fun. Uh, what we need to do is is set up a notification to come back three years from now to this date, and then we'll tell you how good our grades are and how accurate they are because it's going to take a few years for us to really know how good this NFC South is going to be with new additions and, of course, how good the Buccaneers are going to be with their draft hall as well, which Scott and John – and uh, I think John and Matt yesterday really discussed all of that length. We won't get into the Buccaneer draft picks a whole lot, although we will bring up Kyle Trask because um, Mr. Hater over here, Taylor Jenkins, can't stand Kyle Trask. I mean, you would think he's a Seminole fan. It's much hate. I mean, he even wrote a column basically bashing the guy, saying he's probably the worst pick in franchise history. Is that right? Worse, worse second rounder than Roberto Aguayo, as I've always said. <laughs> oh, my Just goodness. Kidding. Just kidding. Just, Just kidding. kidding. Bucks and or Gator fans. I'm right. completely kidding. But I you did, know what? You, you know what? You know what's a great first round draft pick, though, Taylor Celsius. What are you drinking? A blueberry pomegranate? 
I, I finished it just before the pod. Got a blueberry pomegranate heat. Long day. Had to get a little mid-afternoon boost. Ready for this pod. Bring the energy to this yeah. pod. I haven't been on in a while. I'm ready for it. Well, you know, and that's what Celsius does. In case you've not tried Celsius, you need to. Celsius is is the best energy drink out there. Not just because they're a sponsor here. It's because we've all tried it and we all enjoy it. And we all drink it on a regular basis. The great thing about Celsius is it's not loaded with a ton of things that are going to make you crash, particularly sugar, right? And it tastes good. Sometimes you think of things, well, it doesn't have sugar. How can it taste good? This tastes good. Trust me on that. Celsius, one of our proud sponsors here at the Pewter Report podcast. Take a look at this. We'll be back and we will start breaking down the NFC South Rivals and talk about the new additions for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But right now, a quick message from our good friends at Celsius. Taylor, I just, uh, I don't know if you know this. I, I may look a little sweaty right now. It's because I, I do that exact workout, like, right before the show. Everything those guys were doing and the gals included, especially that one where they whip the rope up and down. I, I have one in the backyard, and I do that. And that's so. the thing about Celsius is when I go to workout, and I'm, I'm just sweaty in general, so that's not why I look sweaty. True. <laughs> but, but when I drink Celsius before I work out, I feel like those people. I don't look like those people, mm, but I you feel do. like it. You're well, getting there. That's true. You're, You're working there. towards those goals. That's important. Yeah. But Celsius, if you want to get energy for a workout, if you just need that pick-me-up, that boost for, um, you know, when you're when you're, you know, just at work and, and you, you go to lunch. You know that go to lunch, you come back an hour later, you're sitting at your desk and you're just like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to fall asleep at any point right now. That's where Celsius can really help out. And that's why we like Celsius a lot here because uh, because they really do help things out. Now, you can find Celsius at your local stores. Uh, I was at Wawa the other day. I was at Publix. Uh, again, that's in the Tampa Bay area. I saw Celsius. They're at some health food stores, things like that. So go check out Celsius. And um, you can also purchase it by going to uh, our ads on pewterreport.com. So that's a good place to go do all of those things. So anyways, appreciate Celsius and all they do. Good people, too. It was great having them out at the middle event yeah. a couple of weeks ago. And, and you got to meet them personally one-on-one. I'd met some of them before at uh at an event we had at glory days right before the super bowl but uh, really good people really good product make sure to check out celsius you won't be disappointed now taylor let's get into the the meat is it the meat or the teeth the teeth or the meat or the meat teeth of the point of this podcast well there's a couple the points meat and the potatoes okay we're gonna dig into the, the meat and potatoes and we dig into it with our teeth okay that's what so we're, that's gonna do. we're gonna do this all right first of all raven green from the packers now, again, we've already had a question in the comments. I'm going to pull up the questions here. One of them was, why? That was the first question I saw, why? And and here's the deal. John, again, as soon as the news broke uh, a little while ago that these two guys had been signed by the Buccaneers, John jumped right on the story. Uh, John likes both of these guys, mainly because you know he really feels they're going to be uh, and help as a big special teams value to this football team. And when you look at what they've been able to accomplish, now Green – is a ball player, right? He's not just a yeah. special teams guy. I mean, he's he's a guy that's that's played safety slash linebacker, kind of that hybrid kind of guy, like a Deion Buchanan did back in his day with the Arizona Cardinals with Bruce Arians. Um, 
but he's a guy that can really, I think, help this football team as well. Now, he's got to make the football team. This is a loaded football team. You can't just say, well, the Buccaneers signed me as a free agent, so I'm going to make the football team. Um, they signed a Packers safety last year, right, in free agency. Why can't I think yeah. of his name? Um, Nick Harris, somebody? I don't remember his name. It's He was here so short of a time, I, know, I can't I even remember who it was. Yeah. Google it. Google it, somebody. And tell us who it was because I'm old and I can't remember. And we didn't but get the to spend is, any time around these guys last year. Right. So that's another thing that I feel like I'm completely lost. All we got was 15 minutes on the sidelines in a little box. The point is, 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 is you know, that, you know, they still have to make the football team. The Buccaneers spent day two, really, or day two and three, uh, drafting a lot of special teams, guys, particularly last Saturday. So they really wanted to improve their special teams play. Right. Uh, and and I think that they did that through the draft somewhat, but also by bringing in these two guys. Now, when you talk special teams and, and which of them, which one of them is a better special teamer? Well, obviously Joe Jones from the Broncos is that guy. Uh, he is a guy that has just been a, a special team demon for the Broncos. And um, I've actually got a couple. Uh, I actually got a clip of him here. I'm going to pull this up now, and we can look at him. This is him blocking a punt. Um, Coming in, I was against Baltimore, the Ravens. How ironic is that? Uh, but that's Joe Jones right there blocking a punt. And, uh, and of course, the uh, the Broncos end up with the ball on about the six or seven-yard line. I'm sure they punched it in behind DeMar Dotson, who was playing at the time. But but point is, is he's a he's a, he's a legit special teamer. Now, when you take a look at Raven Green, we'll look at uh, his highlights real quick. He's more of a football player, as you can see here in these clips. This is obviously against the Dolphins. And uh, comes in on the blitz off the edge. This particular play gets it deflected. Well, the ball's got thrown up for grabs, and he ends up making the interception there. And again, he's also a special teams guy too that can help out. This is another interception that he has here, I believe. Nope, it's a sack. Here we go. Whoops, where's the ball? Oh wait, the there it is—the fake punt. I'd like to see that. Teams need to run more fake punts, in my opinion. But uh, those are some of the things that these guys bring to the table. Now, again, they're not big known names. But at the same time, we also know the Buccaneers are up against the salary cap. And let's just face it, there's not a ton of big name guys left out there that could help this yeah. football team because they've been, you know, they've been uh, assigned by other teams or, or by the Buccaneers themselves uh, in free agency. There's not a ton of guys out there. So you've got to look for these complimentary guys. And I think that's what both, what this signing is. Now, again, they both got to make the football team. I think Jones definitely has a, I mean, I think they both have a really good shot of doing that, but I think Jones is a guy that, that can really be that special team standout. Jack Sitchie was a guy that played well on special teams. Ryan Smith is a guy that played well on special teams. Both those guys are gone. Who's going to be the new special teams guy? Now the Buccaneers did draft Grant Stewart um, with the last pick, Mister Irrelevant. Irrelevant. I said it wrong, but uh, he he's going to be here. Hopefully, he makes the football team. But um, Bruce Arians is right, and it's something that I think we all harped on. And if you watched the Buccaneers last year, there just wasn't any juice in the special yeah. teams. I mean. They did have a block punt. Was that Patrick O'Connor that blocked that yeah, punt? Yeah, it was Pat O'Connor against the against Broncos. Against the Broncos. Real early yeah. in the first quarter. Yeah, and, and then that was pretty much – I'm trying to think of any standout splash special teams plays last year. I don't really remember any. Uh, now there was Mike Edwards had a ball go off his hands running backwards um, mm. against the Saints in week one, and that was a big problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not – There was a lot more the, of those. That, that's, there was a lot yeah. more of um, – I think just in I don't want to even, I want to, don't want to say insignificant but we're not far removed even with a bad bucks team from them having one of the best special teams units in the league. I remember that was a big thing. Punts down inside the 20, punts down into the 10 inside the 10. A few years ago before Bruce Arians got here, that was a major plus 
And um, I don't know if you heard it, but John Spitek was on with um, with Carmen and Scott Smith from the Bucks, and uh, they were doing a thing on Twitter yesterday, and he said that it's a major part of the game. Fans don't want to think about that as much, but it is a major part of the game. It's a major. But then, phase. then why, then why has it been de-emphasized? Over the last ten or fifteen years here, and I'm going to go back to the days of John. No, Gruden I don't think it was when he signed Tim Brown to be a receiver, yeah. but also a kick returner, and then he goes to Ike Hilliard again, a guy that's not going to take one back to the house. After that, I'm trying to think. You got to go back to Clifton Smith, right, as the last major star on special teams. Before that, Carl the Truth Williams. Going back to the old days, you had Danny Reese who never fair caught a ball. That's back in the old creamsicle days. You had Bobby Futrell. Then you had Adam Humphreys returning kicks most recently. And last year it was uh, um, Jaden Mickens. Who and, and, um, was not good. Who was not, not great. Good. Were, I mean, he was – How many he, times he, – But, but I think he did the what they wanted him to do. Chat. Just catch the ball and don't screw up. I don't even think he did that as much as, as he should have. There, How many times in the group chat were we right. just saying during games, just keep the ball in the end zone? Because he yeah. wasn't that killed when he yeah. brought it out. And I think that adding a guy in Darden brings a lot more explosiveness to that. We know he had a lot. He's a, he's a really good after-the-catch guy. He can probably add a bit to their um, offense in terms of screens and end-arounds. Things that I think I, early in the season, wanted Scotty Miller to do. And then once he started doing it, realized, oh, that's why he doesn't do it. Because he's faster than he is quick. Darden's right. a 4-4-6 guy, which is really good. But in a in a vacuum, but at 174 pounds, you probably want him to be running legit four four speed. Now again, his plate speed is extremely fast. He plays extremely quick, big yards after the catch guy, very elusive, and I think he immediately brings an upgrade from Jadon Mickens in the return game. And then you bring in a guy, Joe Jones played 349 snaps on special teams for the Broncos last year. Mm -hmm. He played in every phase of it. And Raven Green, I think, played about 111 snaps on special teams. He was mostly punt coverage. He was a legit player. He had 324 snaps on defense and ended the season injury or uh, on the injured reserve. He but was that's that every dime year for linebacker. Him. That's, that's the problem yeah, with him, that's really. Every year. Is, He's is, legit a Jack Sitchie-like replacement, yeah. even as far as the injury reserve, injured reserve <laughs> probably goes based on his history. Yeah, but three years, I think three you've injuries. got a situation where – this is a guy that they think can help on special teams. That's all they wanted to do on day three. They spent four picks literally just on special teams. When you pick the guy and you go, who is this? It was four special teams. That's all they focused on. You bring in a guy like Joe Jones, who I think will immediately compete with probably K.J. Britt for that fourth linebacker spot, and that will probably depend on who was better on special teams. Right. And I think if Joe Jones wins that – K.J. Britt goes to the practice squad. I know they've said a lot that they like from Grant Stewart, but he is another guy that is kind of an in-betweener as far as size goes. He's just over six foot. He's 225. Not coming into the draft, they didn't really know if he was going to be a safety or a linebacker. He's kind of a long-shot guy, but they really like, again, what he can do on special teams. And that fourth linebacker spot will probably come down to that exact focus. Which guy is going to be able to play on all four phases and do that effectively? I love Robert Jonas here with a with a thing in our thing. Mike Morton. Do you have any idea what that means, Taylor? No, I don't. I can Google Mike Morton. <laughs> you probably may not even find anything. He was a guy who actually returned a kick 
uh, in the preseason for the Buccaneers. No, not him. I think it was 81 in the preseason return to kickoff for a touchdown. I remember listening to that on the radio because back then uh, a lot of Buccaneer games weren't sold out, particularly preseason games, so they weren't on TV. It was a home game. He returned to kickoff for a touchdown. Everybody thought he was going to be uh, a special team star. Back then in the uh, late he 70s. He did it for the Bucs? Yeah, in the 80s. Um, returners were were certainly more sought after and, and not much of an afterthought as they are now, unfortunately, uh, because of the rules and things like that. And I say unfortunately, that's not fair. Um, it's a little I, different than the Mike Morton I found. He was a football player. He played uh, seven years for Oakland, St. Louis, Green Bay, and Indianapolis as a linebacker in the late 90s, but he is now a dentist. Yeah, different no. Mike Morton, I suppose. Yeah, UNC completely. Chapel Hill, though. Yeah, no, different guy, Mike Morton. I think he was a UNLV guy, maybe. I don't remember. But anyway, uh, Jonas, thanks for the shout-out to the old days with the Mike Morton reference. Uh, if somebody can tell me what number he wore in the preseason, I will give them an empty can of Celsius as a prize. You have to come pick it up because I don't know that it's legal to mail things like that. Yeah. Anyway, seriously, uh, he was number one, by the way. Uh, anyway, all right, so – Enough about special teams. No, let's not say it's enough about special teams. Let's talk a little bit more about it. Because as you mentioned, the Buccaneers did spend a good portion of the second half of the draft looking for special teams, guys. Um, Matt Matera has a really good story up right now that I um, that I read yesterday uh, about K.J. Britt, who said he was really blindsided by the selection. He had no idea the Buccaneers were going to take him when they did. and um, But it was a really good revealing look at, at at his thought process that, you know, he's willing to do whatever if it's special teams. But he's really – because I think he only played in two or three games last year uh, for Auburn. But he's dying to get back on the football field. And, and, again, you love the guys that love to play the game of football. You can tell just from the interview, even the written word, not even the video, the written word, how passionate this guy's, guy is about playing football. And if the only way for him to get on the football field is, and it is because he's not going to outplay Levante David, he's not going to outplay uh, Devin White. So he's going to have to play special teams. And um, certainly if somebody were to get hurt, maybe he moves up in the rotation then, but you still have Kevin Minter on this football team. But the bottom line is, is I think that's going to make him even more of a passionate special teams player because he knows he's going to get limited reps and limited opportunities. So uh, that's another guy to keep an eye on during training camp and certainly into the preseason where he's going to have some opportunities to shine, particularly on special teams. So I'm looking through the chat here. Boy, we haven't even mentioned the name Kyle Trask a whole lot, and that seems to be a lot of the conversation here uh, in, in in the in the in the chat. We'll get to Kyle in a little bit, but but Taylor, let's first kind of take a look at what the NFC South has done. And I know that Matt and and uh, John broke that down a little bit on yesterday, is in terms of uh, you know looking at the NFC and how they did in the draft. But let's get more specific with the teams within the division. And you've got the Falcons here, obviously a no brainer. You've got to take Kyle Pitts there. You can't take a quarterback there because you've got Matt Ryan on the hook for $4 billion this year and $4 billion next year. I may be a little off of my math there, but it's a lot of money that they owe him. So getting rid and replacing Matt Ryan just wasn't going to be the case. And i tell you something Arthur Smith said. For people who think this is a rebuild mode, if the owner of Arthur Blank thinks that they, you know, that he hired the wrong guy, I, I, I like that. I like that passion. I mean, I don't – it. listen, hey uh, – Knock, 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 Arthur. It is the rebuild mode because you have an awful defense. You won four football games last year. Uh, it's going to take a while. You've got to rebuild that offensive line. You've got to find somebody to rush the passer. You've got to find some guys in the secondary to kind of cover a little bit. So you're not going to jump up into the Buccaneer League uh, or realm anytime soon. So it is a rebuild mode. But I like the passion that he has saying they hired the wrong guy if they're looking for a guy to rebuild. We want to win and we want to win now. So hiring or not hiring, I'm sorry, <clears throat> 
drafting Kyle Pitts was just a no-brainer. Now, you, Taylor, wrote an article this weekend as well about how the Buccaneers are going to try and defend Kyle Pitts. And let me just start by saying this, and then I'll let you talk about your article a little bit. For people who think Kyle Pitts is just a tight end, and I literally had people on my timeline in Twitter uh, on, yeah. on Thursday say, yeah, it's no big deal. He's only a tight end. They didn't watch much Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts was the best non-quarterback. Maybe it may come down. He may end up being the best player in this draft, but certainly the best, most athletic non-quarterback in this draft this year. And the Falcons got him at number four, and that just gives them just another weapon. Even if, and I don't think they're trading Julio Jones, but if they did find a way to trade Julio Jones, they're still loaded across the board uh, you know, with, with options uh, for for Matt Ryan, who's still a hell of a quarterback. I know people beat him up quite a bit. and you know He, he choked away the Super Bowl. He didn't choke away the Super Bowl. I blame that more on uh, the coaching staff in that game. But um, but anyway, he takes a little bit of, uh, of flack, a little too much blame sometimes. But he's a, he's a very good quarterback, getting up there in age. But giving him Kyle Pitts is going to make that offense um, even more deadly. I just want to know, and, and I read your article, but I want you to tell people in case they haven't read the article, how in the world do you defend a guy like Kyle Pitts? Because he's a mismatch against any linebacker, and he's a mismatch against safeties, and he can go out and muscle quarterbacks for balls. So what are you going to do to slow down Kyle Pitts? Yeah, I mean, it's – I said one of the things I included in there was never miss church on Sundays before football games because it's just going to be an absolute problem to try and stop him. And I know a lot of people were the same, saying the same thing. He's like, oh, you know, I, I posted – they go, easy. You know, Levante David and Devin White – well, one, Devin White was not very good in coverage last year. He just wasn't. He finished the season much better, but he was not very good in coverage, and he's not going on in man coverage on anyone but running backs. Now, from a physical standpoint, he would probably be the best guy that you would like to line up against him just as far as size, as far as strength, as far as 4-4 speed at the linebacker position. But I just don't think that he has the ability, unless he takes a massive step forward, to cover Kyle Pitts. Now, in that article, you look at Kyle Pitts is six foot six, two hundred and forty-four pounds. He ran a legit four four forty yard dash. He is a consistent man beater. He um he finished last season with a ninety six point run, uh, ninety six point one receiving grade from Pro Football Focus. He had three point two six yards per route run, four point nine one yards per route run against man coverage. That was the third best mark in the nation across the board. Any receiver. Period. And that's two more yards full better than the next best tight end. This dude would have been a top 10 pick if he was not a tight end and he was just a wide receiver. Now, he's not like Jimmy Graham in the fact that he's like, okay, you just can't put him to block. Jimmy Graham was a guy that was basically a wide receiver at the tight end position. He was a complete liability when you asked him to do anything as far as inline blocking. Kyle Pitts can improve in that, but he's not George Kittle. But he's not Jimmy Cram. He, he, I think he puts a lot of effort into it, and that's a major thing at the position. It's want to when you want to block, but he's just an absolute freak, especially if you're dealing with three wide receivers on the field. I know um, Arthur Smith is going to want to ru run a lot of uh, 12 personnel. They're going to have Hayden Hurst out there as well. But when you get into a situation where you've got Julio Jones, that's probably going to be taken by Carlton Davis. You've got Calvin Ridley. Jamel Dean has followed him a lot. You've got Russell Gage in the slot, and all of a sudden now you have to figure out what do we do with Kyle Pitts? And I think a lot of that work is probably going to go to Levante David, but you're going to have to have guys like Antoine Winfield shading over the top. You're probably going to have to have a cornerback um, bracketing him. You might not have you might not have 
the ability to run as much man coverage as you want just because they have so many men who can dominate man coverage. And it was an interesting pick for uh, Atlanta. I'm not sure he's exactly the ideal pick they wanted to make. I think they would probably want to attack defense there. But like you said, they got the best non-quarterback player in the draft. And if you look at any analyst, if you were to pick a guy who you said in 10 years, who's the guy that's probably going to be the closest to being on his way to a Hall of Fame career in this draft, it's going to be Kyle Pitts. And that's just because he's so good at beating man coverage. He's such a physical force. He's such a good receiver. And I think that you're going to have Sean Murphy Bunting covering him a lot. I think you're going to have Levante David trying to. I mean, that's what you brought SMB in to do. He hasn't dealt super well with the fast guys we talked to John about. Fast, quick, he hasn't done as well about that. But he is physical. He is long. He is fast. And it's just going to be an absolute problem for – Todd Bowles in this defense to try and deal with because you already have so many weapons and then you add like a lot of people said it takes a unicorn to stop a unicorn I think that's what Dan Mullen said and that's really what Kyle Pitts says he's a unicorn you just do not see guys like that and I think he absolutely has a skill set to soon be in that upper echelon of Travis Kelsey George Kittle Darren Waller he's just an absolutely elite athlete he'll be better he'll be better here's here's how you stop him you want to know how you stop him Taylor it's real simple you sack Matt Ryan a whole lot because yeah. if Matt Ryan has an opportunity to stand back in the pocket with the weapons on this team, they're going to find Kyle Pitts or they're going to find Calvin Ridley or they're going to find Hayden Hurst or they're going to find Julio Jones if he's on this football team. I mean, um, you've got to put pressure. Again, Patrick Mahomes had uh, a ton of weapons out there, but they weren't overly effective in that Super Bowl because yeah. he was running for his life. I mean, you've got to figure out a way. And, and I think that's where – the X's and O's and where I feel comfortable with Todd Bowles being able to come up with a game plan. But part of that huge game plan is the pressure and get in the face of Matt Ryan and make him throw the ball sooner than he wants to. You're not going to stop uh, Kyle Pitts from, from, from his touches and his catches. I don't think, I mean, he's going to, if, if the ball gets there, if he has time, if he gets in his route, uh, he's going to be open and he's going to be able to make catches. But uh, at the same time, I'm not going to be one of those people that says he's just a tight end because he's not he's he's a unique tight end as you said a yeah. unicorn but um but at the same time i mean there have been plenty of great tight ends in the league you don't normally win super bowls because you have a great tight end and it helps let's let's not be crazy here uh it certainly helps but um there haven't been a ton of super bowl mvps that were tight ends i think you have to i, I say you have to go back i have no idea i'm going to go all the way back to uh i think the colts first uh well the colts a Super Bowl win in like 1969. I think John Mackey or somebody like that was like the, the MVP of the Super Bowl. Yeah. Again, it just doesn't happen a lot. I mean, we can look at games where Greg Olson went for over 110, 15, 20 yards against the Buccaneers, and yet the Buccaneers still won. Again, if if that's your, you know, if 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 you, you know, if 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 Kyle Pitts gets 100 yards, that doesn't mean he's automatically gonna, you know, the means the Falcons are gonna win because. Um, it may be it shootouts, may very well though. be a race to 35 yeah. for the Falcons next year. They're, you know, It's just going to be a lot like it was this year. Their defense did get a lot better in the second half of the year, but I, it could very well be a race to 35 a lot of times with them and adding Kyle Pitts to that offense that they already have. They, I can see them winning a handful of those races. Yeah, you look at look at some of the other draft picks they had. Now to, to upgrade their secondary, they went with UCF's Richie Grant, which I know you hate him because he's from USF. I mean UCF, not USF. But don't um, please. 
you know, he was he was it was a little bit of a reach there. I mean, not a huge reach, but when you look at the consensus draft board, uh, there were some guys. There was at least one other safety um, that was ranked higher at the point when they took him. But for whatever reason, they felt he was their guy. Look, the Buccaneers Jeff drafted Joe Tryon with his thirty second pick, and he was like number forty four on the consensus board. So teams are going to pick the guys that they want, they feel comfortable with, they think they fit into the scheme the right way. Uh, maybe they like the guy's personality, their passion, their attitude, whatever it was. Maybe the interviews went better than with with some of the other safeties for whatever reason. But he's certainly going to be uh, a starter because this, the, um, the 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 Falcons got rid of a lot of their secondary guys. I mean, they were up against the salary cap, not as bad as the Saints, but pretty bad. So they got rid of some guys. They had some injuries there last year. So Richie Grant is a guy that will uh, – I mean, I can't – I mean, other than injury, I don't think there's any way that this guy isn't starting uh, in the secondary. You go on down the list, Michigan's offensive lineman Jalen Mayfield. Again, an important part of what they need to do. They understand the importance of protecting Matt Ryan. You've got to keep this guy upright. He's not a guy. He's like Tom Brady. He's like some of these other statues in the pocket. Um, you've got to be able to protect him. And and so they added Jalen Mayfield that will be competing uh, for a spot on the offensive line. They went with San Diego's cornerback, uh, Darren Hall, in the fourth round. Then also in the fourth round, they went back to the offensive line with Drew Dahlman. Another guy, probably a little bit of a reach just based on the consensus board at the time that he was picked, but really a perfect fit because uh, Arthur Smith runs a lot of zone uh, in their run game, and, and Dahlman is certainly – that's what he's cut out for. I mean, he would not have been good in, in a power-based, man-on-man type blocking situation. He's a touch undersized right around 300 pounds, I think a little less than 300 pounds, but he's really athletic. He gets out, he gets to the second level, he can pull, um, but he's the guy that really fits what they want to do. Now, again, him getting acclimated, becoming the guy that, that Matt Ryan sticks his hand under every single snap of the game, uh, we'll see how that works. But they lost Alex Mack in free agency, so they needed a center. So I think that was probably a pretty good move there. After that, it's all just a crapshoot, honestly. I mean, the whole draft is essentially after you got to the first or second round. Texas D, uh, defensive tackle Taquan Graham. Um, Notre Dame defensive end, and uh, I'm not going to pronounce it because I'll screw it up. I, I practiced it earlier, but I'm not even going to try. Avery Williams is a guy that's real interesting because the the, the Falcons brought him in. Uh, I think they think he can develop possibly to a nickel cornerback. I mean, he was decent at Boise State in that in that role. But what he was really effective at, Taylor, was, was returning kicks. I think he had nine yeah. return scores. Now, the interesting thing about this pick to me, though, is the Falcons, I believe, are the ones that signed Cordell Patterson uh, from the Bears, uh, who used to play for the Vikings, who's a hell of a kick returner, one of the best in the league. So uh, we'll see how that battle shapes up, who's going to be what. Maybe Patterson's the kickoff guy and Avery Williams is the punt return guy. We'll and I see. just kind of like what, what Atlanta did as far as they were kind of in a spot where they could not trade out of four. Um, I know those reports came out that they were fielding calls for the number four pick and, and fielding calls to trade down. But that to me felt like a report that they put out Yeah. by saying, Oh, we're fielding calls for the fourth pick. It really meant please call us for the fourth pick because <laughs> we want to get more picks. But when you look at the top two quarterbacks being gone at two, and San Francisco was trading up to three for their quarterback of choice. But then after that, you the Bengals weren't taking a quarterback. The the Dolphins weren't taking a quarterback. The Lions probably weren't taking a quarterback. You didn't really have to if you wanted to be that next team to take QB4, trade up until maybe seven, maybe eight, maybe nine. Right. So they really couldn't get rid of it. And when you look at a situation where even the best drafters, it's uh, still 
a big roll of the dice. The best drafters in the league are hitting on about 50% of their draft picks. So then once you get that unicorn and Kyle Pitts, you just go, okay, we're stuck at four. We're going to take the best, right. maybe the best player in this draft. They attacked everything they needed to attack. They yeah, went after yeah. their secondary with a safety in the second. But they're not going to do floor. it all in one year. In, in, no. In, you know, they're in, still in, a ways away. They, I think they still are. Again, I think they can put yeah. up a lot of points. I think they'll be dangerous offensively. But, you know, it's going to take a while. Number one, it's a new scheme, right, on both sides of the football. Yeah. Um, and, and new coaching staff in there. So it's going to take a little while to get acclimated there. But I, I think it was a good hire. I think Smith's good. And Terry Fontenot as, as the GM, I think, was a really big yeah. get for uh, for them as well replacing Thomas Dimitrov. Now let's take a look at the Panthers. Um, to me, this uh, I actually great gave them the best uh, grade of all the NFC yeah. South teams, including the Buccaneers. I think they really filled some holes, and I think they really got better as a football team. Um, the one question mark I have is them passing on Justin Fields. And I wrote in today's uh, Behind Enemy Lines, that decision, Taylor, by Matt Rule, and uh, and their new GM who slipped the top uh, I can't think of the top of my head right now but their new GM made this decision. This is the decision by not drafting Justin Fields, which either makes you a Hall of Fame coach or gets you fired in two years. And I say that because I mean they're putting all of their eggs in the in the Sam Darnold basket. And as highly rated as Sam Darnold was just what three years ago. He just hasn't shown a whole lot, and that's the reason he was available for you know a cup of coffee from the New York Jets, who wanted to upgrade and went with Zach Wilson. We'll see uh, what Matt Rule does. Now, the the wild card or the caveat in all that is Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator. This guy is an offensive guru, right? I mean, the success that he had, yeah. um, you know, in, in college certainly with what he did at LSU. Some of the other stops he's had. Spent a lot um, of time with coaching. the Saints, a couple years with the Saints yep. under Sean Payton, I think. So. So he's a, he's a very smart, intelligent guy, and and that tell. I mean, here's the deal though: they don't have any idea what they have in Sam Darnold, other than the film that they have of Sam Sam Darnold. They haven't seen him on the field yet. They have no idea, you know, uh, a whole lot about this guy, other than what they've heard and what they've been able to gather in their scouting process. People say this all the time: Why did the Buccaneers bother bringing in so and so for a visit? This is a perfect example right here, Taylor. Again nobody would have thought the Panthers would have Sam Darnold on their team two years ago, yet here he is. Yeah. And again, you, you, you interview him, you go through the process to find out in case somehow, some way, that player is available via trade or because he ends up getting cut or he's a free agent or whatever it is. But bottom line is they don't have any idea what they have. Now, at the same time, playing devil's advocate or glass has full, full or whatever you want to call it, Taylor – they don't know what they would have had in, in Justin Fields either, right? I mean, he is what he is. You, you saw what he was at Ohio State, but you don't never you don't ever really know how that's going to transition to the NFL. So it doesn't necessarily mean that that they made a mistake. It's just going to be one of those wait and see in a few years. And, and, and maybe both these guys are successful. Maybe Sam Darnold turns out to be a Pro Bowl quarterback down the road. And maybe Justin Fields does as well. Me personally – I would have 1,000% went with Fields. You've already got Donald on the roster. Let him battle it out. May the best man win. And worst case scenario, you got one hell of a number two quarterback on your football and both team. Both of them but, are on rookie contracts. It's not like yeah, it's not yeah. like one of them is being paid $40 million a year like it would have been in, in Atlanta. Exactly. Or has 40, carries 40, 43 million in dead cap like you've got with Kirk Cousins or Matt Ryan. Worst case scenario, you've got two quarterbacks on rookie contracts. One of them 
only what two years left for Darnold. I think did they pick? I don't know. They, if yeah, they, they picked. They did pick year. up his fifth year. Yeah. yeah. So two more years with him, and then you figure out what you got. I think a steal, a potential steal in this draft is Terrence Marshall Jr., the LSU wide receiver they picked up in the second round. Yeah. Um, you got to give Darnold some weapons. He didn't have a hole now. Again, it's really hard to judge Sam Darnold because the Jets are just a dumpster fire of a franchise, or they were. We'll see what happens this year. They got rid of Adam Gase, which was just probably the worst pick. In the- just think about this. You got rid of Todd Bowles to hire Adam Gase. Just That's the, all you need to know about. Uh, and again, I understand Todd Bowles didn't have a ton of success there either. But the bottom line is, is uh, at the end of the day, I think you'd have been better off with Todd Bowles. Uh, you'd have had a better defense, at least, certainly in New York, than you've had the last couple of years. And but- now you're going to see just how bad Adam Gase is because we <laughs> saw him really significantly underperform in Miami. Um, and as soon as Ryan Tannehill left and got into a better position, yes. I mean, just legitimately turned into. I mean, I know it's a little. And may, maybe that's exactly system. what. Maybe that's exactly and maybe what that's Matt the Rule's best thinking. thing. Maybe yeah. that's the best thing that Sam Darnold that has ever happened to Sam Darnold in his professional career is yes. getting away from Adam Gase and getting. And, and now you see, okay, this guy was worthy of a top five pick. Right. And it's not like this is all we've seen. We've seen the upside. We've seen the flashes. Now we're going to try and get him out of a bad situation with a bad roster and a, and bad weapons and a bad head coach. And we're going to put him somewhere where, I mean, and I think they really knocked it out of the park at the beginning of this draft. I think Tommy Tremble's a little weird one, but again, it's a third round pick. He's right. a big physical guy. You get it. You get a backup running back. I think that's really talented in Chubba Hubbard. Uh, round five. Chuba. Nixon. Not Chubba. Chuba Chuba. Sorry. I'm thinking of a, what's his name? Um, Hubba uh, Bubba. I can't remember who. No, I can't remember who I'm thinking of. But Davion Nixon, really good value at DT, and it's just, in the fifth round. Um, Terrence Marshall had a little medical history, but could have probably gone in the first round. Sure. Um, if if it wasn't for that, so really good draft from the Panthers, and I think just like the Jets, this could be a potential. I mean, franchise revolutionizing draft when you bring in so many pieces, and like I said, 50-50 hit rate, even with a good drafter. They traded, you know, they just have a ton of a ton of draft picks. Throw your darts at the wall. Get guys you like. Get athleticism late. I mean, they, they took 11 guys in this draft. I mean, they ended up with 11 players. And like you say, if half of them pan out and become decent football players, that's that's pretty good success rate. And it's going to help this football team. Because, again, they still – I don't know why I just said again because, uh, Scott, you still always get on me because I always said and again. So I'm going to try not to say that the rest of the show, but I probably will. My point is that um, I have to say again because it just feels so natural, but I'm not going to say it. So uh, I just said it. So anyway, again, my point is is um, that they drafted a lot of guys. They're not a very good football team. Five and eleven is five and eleven last year, and so there's a chance for a lot of these guys to make the football team. When you look at the Buccaneers. You certainly hope that you know your guys make the football team, but there's just not a lot of open spots available for players on really, really good football teams. But when you're five and eleven, everything's wide open. I mean, there's a handful of guys that are guaranteed spots and things like that. But, but second year with a coach, uh, he's trying to change the culture. He's going to bring as many players and new faces in as he can and let them battle it out. And competition um, breeds the best in a lot of cases. And, and, and the cream of the crop rises. And I just used three cliches in one sentence. Uh, give me a medal for that. But um, I, I think uh, I think the Chuba Hubbard pick is good. I mean, they lost Mike Davis to the Falcons. He was their backup running back who, thank goodness, I guess, they had him because they probably don't win five games without him because McCaffrey missed 
uh, 13 games last year due to injury. Now, yeah. hopefully he's 100% for the Panthers' sake this year, and, and Chuba Hubbard isn't called on to be the Mike Davis role this year. But if he is, I think he'll be okay. Uh, he's certainly not Christian McCaffrey. He's got some lim- limitations. But um, I thought that was a good pick to, in in the fourth round as well. You look down the rest of the list, some of these other guys, Washington quarterback Keith Taylor, Deontay Brown, uh, Shai Smith from South Carolina, Thomas Fletcher and Phil Hoskins. I'm not even going to pretend to say I know anything about these guys, so I'm not even going to not even going to fake it. But bottom line is, is they can uh, they can add some talent, and if some of these guys work out, then uh, it's going to be good for the Panthers, who I have as I had them ranked as the top in the NFC South in terms of of the draft, just ahead of the Falcons a little bit. And that brings us to the Saints. Chubba Purdy, by the way, your there guy, you go. Florida State. That's who I was thinking of. That's where the Chubba came from. <laughs> Hubba Chubba Purdy, yeah. All right, the Saints. Now this one, this was a this was a little a little strange to me. Um, you know, they went with Peyton Turner in the first round. Again, wasn't in my opinion their biggest need. Now I think he's a talented football player. Um, I, I think that he can he can certainly help the Saints, but it's going to be in a rotational basis. He's not going to step in and be the number one guy. I, I don't believe. I think they've got guys in front of him that are going to play. They they signed a guy from Kansas City and they they lost. Um, I'm, I'm I'm drawing a blank. Um, anyway, a defensive end or an outside Trey linebacker, Henderson. Trey Hendrickson. That's who I was trying to think of. Guy that uh, Donovan Smith doesn't want to see anymore. Uh, they lost him in free agency. Uh, but they made a trade, or they I'm not made a trade. I think they signed somebody from Kansas City or somebody else, um, but not really a, a big number guy. I think that guy had two sacks last year. Peyton Turner is going to be a rotational football player. A little surprising in the first round, but here's the problem with the Saints and where they were drafting at, at such an odd position. We talk about the Buccaneers being in a bad position to draft. I mean, when you look at your need guys, and they needed linebacker, they needed cornerback. The best guys were off the board at that time. I mean, the star guys, the guys that would step yeah. in and be, you know, potential Pro Bowlers in the next two or three years, were 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 gone at, at when when the Saints drafted. I think they drafted number twenty eight. So, you know, they had to kind of settle a little bit. They got Pete Werner. He's a Ohio State linebacker. He had one hell of a pro day, man. He looked like. He didn't look like he did on film, and he was fine on film. I mean, he started 35 games for Ohio State, right? He's a good linebacker. Yeah. I don't think there's any question about that. But, uh, but Werner, um, Werner was, um, Werner was, um, you know, a guy that 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 I when I was doing some research on the draft, you know, some of the critical things about him was. You know, he was a little tight. He he didn't he didn't play as athletic as his pro day was. But at the same time, they lost Alex Anzalone. He went to Detroit, followed uh, Dan Campbell uh, to Detroit. So he's going to be up there. So they needed a linebacker. I don't think uh, I, I think again, barring injury, Pete Werner is the guy that's going to be playing next to um, uh, Demario Davis in that in that Saints defense starting this year. And they did attack uh, all needs. I thought they were definitely going to attack cornerback sooner than they did. But like you said, major losses at all three positions, and those are the first three places they go in the draft. And then quarterback Ian Book. If if we're going to take any look at what Bucks fans are saying about Kyle Trask being the next Tom Brady, Ian Book has got to be the, the next Drew Brees, right? Head scratcher, man. At number four, I mean in the fourth round, to me, that was uh, that was one of the more puzzling picks. To me, again, you've got Jameis Winston, you got Taysom Hill, you got Trevor Simeon on the roster. I don't, I don't know of anything that Ian Book does great. 
he was steady. He was good. He was a, uh, a really good leader. I don't think there was any question about that. Team captain at Notre Dame. Uh, a tough guy. But, you know, what does he do great? And, and I did the previews, the draft previews this year for quarterbacks in particular. And, and um, you know, they're just most of the draft services and, and the different scouts and things like that that I read and, and did research on, you know, had him as, as um, you know, as a day three guy, but later on in the draft. And um, and as you know, a backup at best. I mean, that's that's where they for, foresee him being, you know, in the league. And so you wonder to yourself if drafting a career backup in the fourth round makes a lot of sense. And to me, it doesn't. Again, who am I to question Sean Payton? Right, the guy knows a little yeah. bit about quarterbacks. But um, but to me, for a guy that doesn't help your football team, you needed wide receiver help. You needed more receivers. You could have used some other guys in other positions on the football team. To me, it just seems like a wasted pick right there. Yeah, to go out with and spend the fourth pick. I know a fourth round pick isn't necessarily what you would call high draft capital, but again, so you're basically saying, I mean, one of the you assume Jason or Jameis Winston or um, Taysom Hill will be gone soon. How long is Taysom Hill still under contract? He's got the void years now, so he might only be one or two more years. But it just is an absolutely head scratch because you assume he's not going to be the quarterback of your future. Right. I mean, just because of no. who Ian Book I mean, is as a prospect and where you're drafting right. him, you're assuming he's not going to be the guy of the future. But I mean, the Bucks have drafted. I mean, you could potentially land a Jordan Whitehead in the fourth round. So, right. Why at that point you're drafting for athleticism? You're drafting for upside, and like you said, why go and get a guy that you just don't think is going to be a part of your future? in any fashion, really more than a Blaine Gabbard or a, or a Ryan Griffin would be. Maybe they just – maybe Sean Payton just doesn't like Jameis Winston. Maybe he just doesn't think he's going to be the guy. I don't know. That's the first thought I had was maybe there's not as much confidence in Jameis Winston as as we're kind of led to believe. But, again, if that were the case, I think they would have drafted a, a Kyle Trask uh, with their first-round draft pick or, or – um, you know, in the second round, if they really felt that way, I don't. I don't think they think Ian Book is a better quarterback than Kyle Trask. And let's maybe run down the rest of the list. Rumors of them trying to get up to ten. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I mean, because they were talk- the, the rumors came out, and I think what was the rumor that they wanted to give this year's first, next year's first, and the following. I or I think that's what was wanted from them, and they didn't want to give up right. three first round picks, especially if you don't know what quarterbacks are going to be there. Because if you watch, if you watch um, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, and then maybe Justin Fields goes off the board at seven or eight, and you're not in love with Mac or Mac Jones at ten, yeah. then you're kind of stuck with that, which yeah. is a big gamble to give three first round picks when you don't know. Who right. you're going. If now your maybe guy's if you be if there. you know, okay, we can land Justin Fields at ten. I think you can go. I mean, I think the Bears had legitimately two of the biggest steals of the draft in their first and second round picks, right. trading up to get them. Yeah. I mean, I legitimately believe Justin Fields has as much upside as any quarterback in this draft. And he showed it in college. And I don't know how the conversation went. I'm getting off a little bit, but I don't know how the conversation went from him legitimately, legitimately being in the conversation for the second overall pick um, right after the college football playoff to the wild draft process that ultimately landed him 11 and the fourth QB off the board. But rounding out the rest of the Saints 
picks here again. The in-book thing is crazy to me. Um, Kentucky offensive tackle Landon Young, South Alabama wide receiver Kawan Baker. Um, I gave them a C grade. And again, it's stupid to even give grades out, but just for the sake of the article, we gave out the grades. I think I had the Panthers at an A minus or a B plus, the Falcons at a B, and, and then uh, gave the Saints a C. Um, anyway, in the chat, guys, tell us which uh, which team you think had the best draft of the Buccaneers uh, opponents. Uh, one thing they didn't address was the offensive line until the sixth round when they took Kentucky offensive tackle Landon Young. You know, and I don't know if that's a good move or not. And, and I say that, Taylor, because protection is so important in life. And I mean your home. Oh, wow. And I mean your automobile. Nice. I, I mean, really, in every aspect. You like that? I still got that it when fantastic. I need to pull out a good uh, segue every once in a while. You like that? And I bring this all up to bring up the point that our good friends, Briar Greaves, that's the place you want to go when you need protection. Don't wait till the hurricane start. Check your policy now. Make sure you are covered. Do you need flood insurance? Are you in a flood zone? Do you have a rental property? People get so uh, so much misinformation. Okay, I'm, I'm renting a place. Uh, the, certainly the building and the owner that I'm renting from has insurance. That's true, but it doesn't cover your contents. It just covers the structure. You need to protect what's inside your home, inside your apartment, maybe inside your office. Maybe you own a, a business and you've got a fleet of vehicles out there. Let let the guys at Briar Greaves give you a quote. It doesn't cost anything. It's going to take a few minutes of your time. But Taylor, if I said to you, I'm gonna. You got to give me 15 minutes of your time, and I'm gonna save you $600. Are you doing it? Oh, 100%. Exactly. Even if it's $100, 15 minutes, hell yeah, I'm gonna do that. Give Briar Greaves a call. 813-876-4166. 813-876-4166. You can go find him online as well. BriarGreaves.com. There's nobody listening right now that doesn't need some sort of insurance that Briar Greaves can give you. One quick thing with homeowners insurance, rates are going through the roof. There's a crisis in the state of Florida right now. If we have some bad storms, there's going to be some companies that just get up and leave. You want to be with Briar Greaves because they're going to find you the best rate, the most reputable, and the highest rated insurance company to protect your property. Give them a call, 813-876-4166. I don't know why I still have the Saints draft guys up here when I was doing Briar Greaves. I should have had me and you up there because we're much better looking than Peyton Turner. Um, so I'm going to switch that back to us if I can remember how to do that. I Listen, I'm just saying, look, I'm not John or Scott. I mean, they do this thing like 15 times a week. You know, every once in a while they throw me behind the wheel. So uh, I'm driving today and uh, trying to do all the uh, the graphics and things like that. So I don't think I've made any major errors today. I was able to get Briar Greaves up. I guess I should pull that banner down now. And uh, and and let's let's spend the last few minutes of the show talking about Kyle Trask because he tends to be – uh, right now, kind of a hot topic in the chats thing right now. I see people arguing about Kyle Trask. They've been arguing Let me just, since five minutes into the pod, and that's exactly yeah. what I said pre, prior. It's just yeah. such a hot-button issue. Yeah, yeah. I remember back in the old days of, of, of radio when I worked at 98.7 The Fan, um, and, and I would do these 10 a.m. to 10, I mean, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. shifts, and we were a new station, and a lot of people didn't know about us, and sometimes we would go minutes, lots of minutes without calls, um, there was always something we could take out of our back pocket at the time back then, Taylor. All I had to do was mention Tim Tebow. Phone lines oh. would light up with the seven people that were listening. By God, they were going to call. Kyle Trask, he's not quite 
Tim Tebow polarizing, but certainly among Buccaneer fans, there's a lot of question marks. And it's and I've found very few people, Taylor, who are neutral about it. They either love the pick very or they few. hate the pick. And uh, I was one of those guys that really liked the pick, not in the first round, but I thought in the second round. And the reason I say that is you've got to start looking at the quarterback position. And people say, well, he's not even going to see the field for two years. He's he's only going to have two years to play uh, when Brady retires, if, if Brady goes two years. We don't know for sure Brady's going to play two years. I could see, I don't think it's going to happen, but it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility if the Buccaneers were to repeat and win a Super Bowl that 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 Brady decides to hang it up. We know Giselle wants him too. She wanted him too last year. Make no mistake. The wives have a lot of influence over these guys. But what I'm trying to say, not joking around, is we don't know what's going to happen with uh, with him. Maybe it is two years. Maybe he decides to play three years. Maybe Kyle Trask, <laughs> excuse me, never sees the field as a Buccaneer. But maybe he does. It's time, in my opinion, to start thinking about the future and life after Tom Brady. And 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 I think that, in my opinion, Kyle Trask is a guy that, that reminds me a little bit of Brady as a guy that's not the most athletic guy in the world, but is tough, is accurate. I mean, Brady didn't come out of Michigan um, a, as a guy known for having a cannon for an arm. Uh, he was a guy that had to sit behind some other guys before he had his opportunity. Uh, so there's a lot of similarities, I think, between he and Kyle Trask. Now, I'm certainly not ready to crown Kyle Trask as a future Hall of Famer. I'm not even saying he's going to be a good NFL starter yet. I am going to say that Byron Leftwich and Clyde Christensen were at his pro day. I'm also going to say that Jason Light and Bruce Arians watched a ton of film on this guy. And so I'm going to go with their evaluation on this, in my opinion. And I think that they've got a plan for Kyle Trask. I don't know what it is or, or what it's going to be or how it's going to pan out, but uh, they, they, they shot their shot and they drafted a quarterback. And that's something that a lot of people have been saying the Buccaneers need to do. Um, you know, even going back to, to before Jameis Winston and, and then even with Jameis Winston, they've got their guy or they hope they have their guy for the future. Now you wrote an article criticizing it, saying it was um, probably the worst move in franchise history. Care to explain yourself about that article there, Taylor? This will go down as Bo Jackson and Roberto Aguayo. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Out. No, I'm just don't kidding. say things like I'm that. Just kidding. Don't you ever bring up Bo Jackson I'm when I'm on the podcast again. <laughs> I'm Roberto Aguayo is bad enough, but never bring up Bo Jackson again, please. I am completely kidding. I am being a little overzealous with that, but I did write an article, was QB Trask a wasted pick for the Bucks? And I feel like the initial reply, um, because people love to read the headlines and not look in there and see that I gave Kyle Trask a lot of credit, um, I didn't say that it was a bad pick. And I didn't say that he was a bad player. He is a guy that I just don't think makes a lot of sense for the Bucks. Now, I think that Kyle Trask is a good enough player to probably go and be a de to, uh, to ultimately turn into a decent starter in this league. He probably could have gone places this year where he would have competed for a starting job. Now, as far as his future, you really can't ask for a better landing spot than the Bucks. Why? When he was at Florida and he found a ton of success, what did he do that with? An extremely talented supporting cast. He had Kadarius Toney. He had Kyle Pitts. He had a really good offensive mind there in Dan Mullen. And that's a lot of what he's getting with the Bucks. When you step into the Bucks locker room that has, I don't know if they'll still be there when he is potentially the starter if that happens. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Scotty Miller. You've got a ton of offensive brilliance on the coaching staff that's a great spot for him to land not one where he can presumably start 
quickly like he may have done at some teams, but it's a good place for him to develop and probably where you're going to get the most out of Kyle Trask and what he offers. If you're going to find a place for Kyle Trask to be the best quarterback that Kyle Trask can be at the NFL level, it's probably in Tampa. The one of among yeah. the places. And he did have an incredible year. I think, what, 46 or 48 total touchdowns last year, seven or eight interceptions, over 4,200 yards, an unbelievable year last year, and a pretty good year. Um, I think 25 and 8, uh, 2,700 yards, taking over for Felipe Franks in 2019. That's great. He took a Joe Burrow-esque leap in 2020 and shot up draft boards. That's great, and he is, I think... He can process the game really well. I think he can throw the ball well to all three levels of the field, even though he doesn't have that zip on his passes that you might want. I just, those are the good things. I think he's a good, I think by all accounts, he's a good dude. He's a good leader. Props to him for sticking it out at Florida and competing for that starting job, getting it, running away with it, and putting together a legitimate Heisman caliber campaign in 2020. I think in a lot of years, he's probably the Heisman winner with the season he had last year. I think he's got he's a really good quarterback who can turn into a decent to good NFL starter. Now, now that I've gotten that out of the way for the Bucks fans who like him, for the Gator fans who are in the chat, that I let you know I don't think Kyle Trask is a bad prospect or a bad player. <laughs> Here is the other side of my argument. Does Kyle Trask have the high-end traits? Does he is he what what is he lacking? He's lacking the zip in his arm strength. He's lacking mobility inside and outside of the pocket, and he's lacking the ability to create outside of structure. And I think those are three very important things that separate good quarterbacks from great quarterbacks. Now, I know the first argument that everyone wants to make and made with me a million times after that article was posted was, was well, 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 Peyton Manning. And and, and, and and Tom Brady and Drew Brees, those aren't mobile guys. Those aren't guys who are known for their ability to create outside of structure. But if you draft a quarterback with that doesn't possess that ability to create outside of structure and doesn't possess high-end traits and doesn't possess an elite arm, you are and you are gambling on him being Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, or Tom Brady and not gambling on him being Jimmy Garoppolo or, or Jared Goff or Kirk Cousins, or just another good quarterback who won't leave this team in two years, much like the 49ers are now going, we've got a team that's prepared to win, but a quarterback who just isn't good enough, and we want to upgrade. And that's the position that I uh, that I fear the Bucks will find themselves in with Kyle Trask. Not to say he can't be good, but is he going to be the ideal quarterback? Is he going to be the high-end talent that you want leading a team that's ready to win in a year or two years when Tom Brady's ultimately out the door, when maybe some of that coaching staff is out the door, is he the guy that you want leading that franchise? And I just think that there's that. But you don't not, know. That's just the, the thing is, I mean, obviously, know. I understand, but that, obviously but Jason Light and Bruce Arians and, and thinks he can be that guy. And that's, that's fine. They, they can have that opinion on him, and if they truly believe, again, like I said, that article could be on freezing cold takes in three years if he turns out fantastic. But I'm not sure that Kyle Trask has the upside to be what Carson Palmer was in Arizona. I'm not sure he has the upside to be Tom Brady, or I just don't know if it's more likely. I think it's a far – this is another guy that lacks experience. He wasn't the starter in high school. He only took 160 throws in high school because he was the backup to Derek King. He only started for two years in Florida and 
I mean, honestly, he wouldn't be here if he didn't, if Felipe Franks didn't break his ankle in 2019. So he lacks experience. And despite all of the good that he showed and all the good that he has, I just have questions. And with so many positions, you're going to have Carlton Davis up for uh, whose contract is up next year. And they're probably going to push to re-sign him. But after that, you got Sean Murphy bunting and Jamel Dean following that. You need depth at cornerback. And when you look at, oh, well, well, okay, so what, let's say Trask doesn't pan out. It's the 64th pick. It's barely even a second-round pick. You got Carlton Davis at 63 three years ago. You got Jamel Dean in the third round. You've gotten Jordan Whitehead in the, in the fourth round. You've gotten a lot of talent in those rounds since Jason Light's been here. And that is a spot. And that's why I say Kyle Trask may be the future quarterback, and he may be talented, but this is a team that wants to win right now and wants to maximize that window that they've got Tom Brady, which may very well be two years. And so I just think that there are positions that could have impacted this play, this team quicker that could have been very important depth pieces and you could have been looking at high upside athletes at a lot of different okay positions. all right all right all right all right now let me argue with this i've, I've given go you ahead, time go ahead let me let me let me counter that with okay great you've got a great cornerback because you drafted one in the second round and he takes over for carlton davis who ends up leaving the free agency or you draft another offensive lineman great you've got great, great protection but for who who's gonna lead your team you've got to have a quarterback You've got to have a guy under center. What are you going to do about the guy under center? They see this guy as a guy that can win with a good surrounding cast. I don't think the Buccaneers are expecting him to take this team on, on their back. We saw what he did at Florida. He had an excellent surrounding cast. But the bottom line is you can have all the depth you want at cornerback in the world, Taylor. You can have all the great offensive linemen in the world. You've still got to have a guy to run point. You got to have that's my main guy. argument is and I don't know if, if he's ever going to be the guy. Now the Bucks clearly do. They drafted him and I and and, and that's fine. Did you think Jameis Winston was going to be that guy? Please tell the jury yes or no. Did I ever? Did you think when he was drafted was Jameis Winston going to be that guy? Yes or no? Really, really bad Bucks team, number one overall. I did I think you he had think? A I thought Jameis Winston had a better chance of being that guy than Kyle Trask does, and he didn't. And he did. Now, did you think Tom Brady was going to be that guy? When he was drafted I was six. six. Well, that's my point. I was four. I mean, the bottom line is you don't know, right? You don't know. We don't know. Everybody talks about how weak his arm is. Okay, he doesn't have a cannon for an oh, arm, but how many guys arm. can throw the ball 80 yards? But, geez, if you can't hit the broadside of a barn or you throw it to the wrong guy, it doesn't matter. I mean, Bruce Arians said it himself. He can make every throw that we ask him to do. Now, John... Boobin, if I'm saying that right, makes a great point. That's great. But is this coaching staff even still going to be here? Byron Leftwich isn't going to be here. Event. If the Buccaneers get to the Super Bowl again next year, Byron Leftwich is going to be a head coach. Todd Bowles Todd is going to be a head coach. Too. Bruce Arians rides off into the sunset. Tom Brady might ride off into the sunset. So then you might have a guy who's not the fit for the next head coach. There's no doubt about that. That's a, that's a question mark. But you can't, you can't draft thinking – you know, well, what if this? You you've got to think to yourself right now. This is a guy we're going to have to have a quarterback in the future, and this is a guy that's going to be able to learn from the greatest quarterback that's ever played the position. Now, does that mean he's going to pan out? Hell no! I don't have yeah. any idea. I thought Jameis Winston was going to be a fantastic quarterback. All right, I thought there have been tons of. I thought Ryan Leaf was going to be a great quarterback. Uh, I thought Peyton Manning, there's just, no way when he left the Colts was going to go win a Super Bowl, and yet he still does that. I mean, 
Who knows? I don't know if Bruce but Arians. Do you maybe think Bruce Kyle Ford. Trask has what it takes to be a great quarterback? Not a good one. Not a good enough one. A great one. And I think that you don't have to have a great game. quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Brad Johnson it, no, won a Super Bowl. No, but it's much harder in today's league to do that. It, it's 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 much harder. All right, but it's the, much harder the, than the, it was in the Forty Niners. Almost won, the Forty Niners almost won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago with an average yeah. quarterback, right? And that's a valid point. And Joe they, Flacco and won a Super Bowl. He was an average quarterback. It. I mean, there's been plenty of average quarterbacks, plenty of great quarterbacks. Joe Dan Flacco Marino did never, go on. One never of the won greatest. a Super Bowl. Never, Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl. Drew Brees has won one, one. And he's regarded as the second greatest one that ever played. It's 22 guys. It's 11 on offense, 11 on defense. You got to surround them. No, is he going to be a Patrick Mahomes? Of course not. I think, you know, we can't judge second round draft picks on what they're going to be. And maybe comparing them to a guy like Patrick Mahomes or, or Brett Favre, which, by the way, Brett Favre only, only has one Super Bowl win as well. Again, statistically, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So, anyway, it's a fun debate, Taylor. We've had fun. It is. The chat's going crazy. We'll Nobody knows. Bed. Nobody's right or wrong. We'll find out in a couple years, three or four years, uh, if they made a, a wise decision. Or maybe this is another bad number, uh, bad second round pick for the Buccaneers. They've, but you know what? Even if it is, they've survived Austin Safarian Jenkins. Yep. They survived MJ Stewart. They survived um, Roberto, Roberto Aguayo. Aguayo. Even I though mean, some of the fans didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they they survived. I mean, you make mistakes, and everybody's going to hit. Yeah. You said it. It's 50 percent. You're a hell of a GM. You're going to the Hall of Fame as a GM if you nail fifty percent of your picks. Taylor, man, I really appreciate you joining us. Appreciate Absolutely. everybody in the chat. We certainly appreciate our good friends over at Celsius. Make sure to click on the ads on PeterReport.com. You can find out where you can order and uh, and buy Celsius directly. You can go to Amazon, places like that. It's uh, local stores and grocery stores around here. Convenience stores have Celsius, a great product, and of course our good friends. Brock Greaves as well. Yeah, we really need you guys to support our sponsors. They are the bread and butter. They are the ones that keep the lights on. They're the ones that uh, help us get nice new cameras. So Scott and John look tremendous on the latest um, Buccaneer video draft cast that we did last weekend. Um, you know, they keep us all paid, food on the table, uh, shoes on our kids' feet, all of those things. So make sure you support them. Uh, even if you don't need them, if you stop by the restaurant, if you stop by the uh, insurance office. If you give them a call, sh hit them up on social media and thank them for doing that. That goes a long way. We certainly appreciate it. For everybody at Pewter Report, for Scott, for John, for Matt, for Taylor, I'm Mark Cook saying we will see you tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow afternoon with another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out. <laughs>